We're going to start a new segment here on Datitude. It's going to be called the question of the day. And before I even get to the intro, um, I'm going to ask it. What the hell does Zion feeling like Zion even mean? We're going to get to that with Christian Clark, not that he knows what Zion feels like, or what Zion feeling like Zion feels like, but we're certainly going to talk about it. And then in my monologue, I am going to tell you what the Saints should be looking at. There's only really one or two, maybe three positions that the Saints should be looking at to start off the 2023 NFL draft. What do you mean, Derry? you don't know what you're talking about? Well, I know I don't know what I'm talking about, but you keep coming back and listening, and you're going to listen now. Next on Datitude. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends who are like me and can't wait for these kids to go back to school for the love of Christ. Do they really need this long off? I mean, it's a simple question. Yes or no? I mean, if you're a teacher or you're a student, of course, you, you want to be off forever. But if you're a dad or a mom who doesn't have anything to do with the school system, please, for the love of Christ, get out of my house. Yeah. That's all right. See, it's going to be a cheery show. I mean, the Pelicans are done, and my kids won't leave the house. A cheery show. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times Speaking and the Advocate at bet.nola.com. And this, most certainly, is Datitude, episode number 146. Maybe that's why I'm getting cranky. 146 of these puppies for a Friday, April the 14th, 2023. Um, yeah, um, that's where we are right now. I mean, what, that's the kind of things I'm feeling because we had the Pelican season. And, yeah, that, that's, that's it. That's the Pelican season. I mean, I guess you, in theory, you could say that a lot about a lot of other things. But I was trying to tell my daughter the other night, brought her to the game. Um, she's been to four or five games now. She couldn't watch the last 12 seconds. She was literally turned around. She goes, I'm not going to watch it. I can't watch it. She doesn't even care. She doesn't even give a rat's ass about sports. That's the fun part of all this. Um, the kids getting into it. I joke about the kids going back to school, and I do want them to go back to school. But I want them to have fun, too. And I brought her the game. Doesn't know anything about basketball. She just knows that you got to get the ball in the hoop. She doesn't know what you get two points for, what you get one point for, what you get three points for. She doesn't really understand what a foul is, but she couldn't watch those last 12 seconds. That's kind of how I felt. Um, because deep down in your heart watching that crap, you knew that was the last 12 seconds of the season. I mean, I think even before the Thunder took the lead, you kind of knew. Even when the Pels took the lead, and it was a one-point lead, and it was going back and forth. I think three times they went back and forth from about the 310 mark to the 110 mark. They went back and forth. And it went from Pels up by one, Thunder up by one. Pels up by one, Thunder up by one. You kind of knew. You, you knew. Yeah, that was coming. That whole thing. But it is what it is. So we're going to have our, as I said in the intro, we're going to have our obit with Christian Clark. And we are going to ask the question. What the hell does Zion feeling like? You gonna play when you feel like Zion? I mean, I really don't want to spend because if I start talking about this, I'm just gonna get pissed off and I'm gonna like talk about it for I don't know, 15 minutes, and then you're gonna like have to scrub fast forward and you want to hear about some of you actually want to hear about the Saints and what I think about the draft. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just this whole it's really pissed me off, and I'm gonna tell you I'm not gonna get into it as I get into it. But I'm going to limit myself. I'm watching the clock. I'm going to limit myself to 90 seconds here on the Zion being Zion thing starting now. Um, I want a job where I can say 
I don't feel like Jim today. Could you imagine if you went into your boss? Anyone. Can you imagine any job anywhere besides being a professional athlete, prima donna, where you could go into your job and you say, yeah, you know, I don't feel like Matt today. I don't feel like Ricky today. I don't feel like Joe Blow today. I'm just going to take off. Yeah, okay. that's. Good. I want you to try that. Write me, jderryattheadvocate.com, and let me know how that goes. Because if you try that, well, I think we all know what's going to happen. But uh, what makes a, I guess it's partly millennial thing, too. I mean, athletes aren't, well, he's not even a millennial. He's beyond that. I don't even know. What, what's the next one? Gen Z? I don't, I don't know what the hell the next one. Gen X, whatever it is. That's what he is. Um, so it's, it's tough. And, you know, there was a quote this morning, and as I thought of the entire situation in the NBA, not just Zion, but it's rampant among players in the NBA. You know, you think about how, and I get into this with Christian as well, so I'm going to extend my 90 seconds, by the way. Um, you think about the NBA and people that buy these tickets and expensive, NBA tickets are, are expensive. I mean, any sporting event ticket now it's expensive, but the NBA is getting kind of absurd. There was a quote this morning that I read from John Rahm, who I, and if you like golf, you don't like golf, it doesn't make a difference, but it kind of, it was telling, and I'm not a John Rahm fan at, fan at all. I don't dislike him. I don't like him or dislike him. I just, I do like watching him play because I think he's, you know, he's obviously one of the best golfers on the planet, but I compare this quote to some things that I've seen this year. It, it really became prevalent. We've seen more of it and more of it, but stars sitting out because they don't want to play too much. What the hell is that? I mean, I'm going to, you know, I don't curse a lot on this show, but what kind of bullshit is that? I mean, that's the word that, that comes to mind there. It, 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 you saw it a lot this year. You look at the Warriors, they were like, I don't know, 9 and 31 on the road or whatever adds up to, to 41 games. They, I know they had nine wins. My Shaw math will tell me immediately that they were 9-32 and 32 on the road. See how quick I did that? Um, but a lot of it is because Steph Curry, especially up through January, didn't play a whole lot on the road. Clay Thompson was hurt, I know, banged up, but there's a lot of times when he didn't play on the road. So that's why this quote, that this long introduction to this quote, hit, struck me. It was uh, quoted by Dan Rappaport, who covers golf, very good uh, golf I think he's a former golfer as well. If I if I'm mis I'm not mistaken, I don't know. But anyway, John Rahm, who's playing this week in the RBC Heritage Classic, the week after winning the Masters, can you imagine any not any, but can you imagine eighty five percent of the NBA players if this were an individual sport, they wouldn't have played this week. They'd have gone and been drinking champagne all damn week or whatever the hell they do when they win. But John Rahm played is playing right now in the RBC Heritage Classic. And this is the quote from him through Dan Rappaport. Quote, I made a commitment earlier in the year, and I want to honor that commitment. I put myself in the shoes of not only the spectators, but the kids. If I was one of the kids, I would want to see the recent Masters champion play. I have a newfound respect for John Rahm. Because, and look, I know there are probably some golfers that would have withdrawn. Rory McIlroy was, I think he's banged up or something's wrong with his brain. Maybe he's got Zion disease. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't feel like Rory. I don't know what it was. But he didn't play this week, so it's not every golfer. But to me, that's the kind of attitude that should be amongst every professional athlete. Your salary is paid by the people who go watch the games, whether they watch it in person or watch it on television. And there is no I'll come back when I feel like I have come. I guess the reason why I'm so pissed off at myself about this is because I was blaming the Pelicans medical staff for, for quite a while. I blame them. And I, you know what? It's still partly their fault. It's the organization's fault for not shoving a lightning rod up his ass. Because you, you can't tell me you're going to play when you're... I had people... There was people defending him. I, I can't believe there were actually people defending him, but there were. Well, you don't know how hurt... He, get the hell out of here. 
He looked like somebody who – did you see him pregame? Anybody who was at the game, did you see him pregame dunking the basketball? He looked like somebody that just came off the buffet line and went and dunked the basketball because he has that much damn talent that he can eat whatever he wants, be as big as he wants. He could probably be – get up to 350, 360 pounds and probably still dunk a basketball because he has that much innate inner athletic talent. And it's frustrating as hell. Should be out there with your teammates, man. We're going to talk about what C.J. McCollum said. And um, to me, that was the most telling thing. If you haven't, if you haven't heard this, then you got to hear it. That's coming up. Uh, but that's how I feel about it. So that my 90-second rant turned into a four- or five-minute rant. But it's, it's bullshit. It, that's all I can say about it. That's what it is. And uh, I'm sorry if the kids heard me say that word, but that's what it is. There's no other way to put it. You don't play when you feel like you're ready. You play when you can even walk on the damn thing. If you can get out there, oh, I don't know. Get, get out there. People pay your salary. Just like, you know, the people who read The Advocate and Times Picayune and people who advertise with the Times-Picayune and the Advocate pay my salary. Now, they don't care probably if Jim Derry takes a day off in the grand scheme of things, but I don't care if they care. It's my duty. It's my job. I have pride in my job, and I have for a long time. You know, I got more pride when I was laid off three or four times. That'll change you quick in a hurry, too. You start getting laid off, and you start, you know what? I'm going to stop taking things for granted. Maybe they need some of that. I don't know how you give a 22-year-old superstar a dose of that, but somebody needs to get on. Tell them. Anyway, how's your morning? Mine's cheery and bright, as you can tell. I said I was going to say something positive this morning. Uh, I've been promising that for a couple of days now. And I've been thinking, I don't know what, and I still don't know what I'm going to say positive. Um, you know, I, and all joking aside about the kids, and I, I mentioned it, but it was a special kind of night to be able to bring my daughter to that basketball game. Um, and you realize, not that I needed something like that to realize, but I, I reaffirmed is the right word, that they want to, the kids want to just do something with you. It doesn't make a difference what it is. They want to share a part of your life. And if they don't care anything about sports, it doesn't matter that they don't care anything about sports. Um, and I guess I, I knew that already. But it, it, was, it was reaffirming and to watch her and to go to, and she's talking about everything and, you know, every piece of the game, she was paying attention to what was going on and talking to me about it and asking some questions, but not asking me enough to want to wanna know if, if uh, that, that she really, to show that she really cared about the game. If she really cared about the game, she would be asking me the rules and she wasn't asking any of that stuff. But uh, she was into it while it was going on. And I know that was only because she knows that uh, she wants to have daddies have a, share some sort of interest, at least if it's only for two and a half hours. And her, she was more interested in, in whether she, they're going to be able to shoot a, a T-shirt from the cannon as high as we were sitting. The answer was no, by the way. Uh, and do they always do, even though she's been a few times, she doesn't remember. Do they always have this much fun during a game? Yeah, you've been to the game before. You didn't have fun? Yeah, I had fun. So uh, she wants to go back. She can't wait to go back. So that's always good. Uh, they don't do this kind of, as many things like that at Saints game. Um, and I'm usually working for Saints games anyway, but maybe we'll take her to a preseason game. Who knows? Speaking of the New Orleans Saints, that, that is as positive as I can get, by the way. Uh, unless you consider Saints talk positive. Where are they going to draft? And it, it, it's pretty simple to me. And I asked the question, um, if you are reading this uh, or listening to this through our NOLA.com uh, page, then you saw the intro uh, photo slash graphic that I put together every week and that says NFL draft begins in just 13 days. 13 days from today, the Saints will be making their first round pick. And I say easy question, offense or defense. I think it's an easy question. You know, there are a lot of, Tough questions that we ask our guests here, but I think this is an easy one. I think that it is clear, and I know I'm in the minority, especially when you look at mock drafts, and I've talked about this already. 
I think the Saints' number one need is unquestionably running back. But in the overall grand scheme of things, I'm not going to get into the whole Alvin Kamara thing. I think I, was that last week or week before. I don't remember which, which week it was that I talked about it. And Dunk's going to come on. Jeff Duncan's going to come on probably, um, I guess, next week we'd have to have him on, right? Because the draft will be on a Thursday, or maybe we'll have a special draft show. I don't know. Uh, I know that Zach and I are going to do a live show. But this, the mock drafts all say defense, or most of them say defense. And if you look at the odds on Caesars Sportsbook, it is minus 150 that they'll take a defensive player, a defensive lineman in the first round. And what that means is, if, you're not, if you don't understand betting, it means that you would have to bet $150 to win $100 to win that bet that they're going to draft a defensive lineman. That's how sure Vegas is. And usually, you can tell, forget the mock drafts, you can tell by Vegas. In this case, I don't necessarily, I think that's where people are going to bet. I think that's why that number is that high. I think you either have to draft a running back because of what we've been talking about, Alvin Kamara. We don't know how long he's going to be out. Or wide receiver. Now, you get a, Terry, they're going to get Michael Thomas back. And, uh, you know, we already have Olave and... Uh, you know, Shahid, and we don't need a wide receiver in the first round. Yes, we do. I think the Saints do need a wide receiver in the first round if they're not going to take a running back. Because do we really trust that Michael Thomas is going to be a solid number two? Do you trust that? I don't. Um, I hope he is. But to me, there are a few positions, and really any position you could say, you can't have enough of these kinds of guys. But for this offense, for this team, running back, wide receiver, and offensive lineman, you just can't have enough of those guys. So while I think they should go running back early, if the, if the guy that they want or the guy that they have, there are only a couple of them anyway that are worthy of the first round. If they're gone, you can't, you can't, dry, you can't reach, okay? Especially like... Bijan Robinson, if he's there at 29, the Saints are going to draft him. I'd be shocked if the Saints don't. But I just don't think he's going to be there by then. Um, and I, by the way, I have a blog out this morning. Uh, I say blog. I'm not supposed to say blog. I have a post out this morning uh, that comes out, came out at 9 a.m. Uh, my, my analysis and projections on where NFC South teams are going position-wise with their first pick of the draft. Now, one of them's easy. It's the Carolina Panthers. Um, and I talk about they're obviously going to go quarterback. Whether they go Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, please, if you're a Saints fan, you're begging them to take C.J. Stroud. Because Bryce Young's going to be a start in this league, barring injury, for 15 or 16 years. Uh, that's what kind of talent he is, in my opinion. So if you're a Saints fan, you're rooting for the Panthers to take Stroud, but it's not going to happen. Vegas is already telling you. The insiders know. Bryce Young's down to minus 300. Again, if you don't understand betting, it means you got to bet 300 to win 100. If they take anybody else, you would lose, but I still think there's value. I think there's almost zero chance they're taking anybody but Bryce Young. So, But then we look at the other teams, and I give you my analysis on why they need this position, and, of course, the Saints are in there. And um, Saints need running backs. So whether they do it in the first round or the second round, they have got to take a running back in one of those first two rounds. So I think if they don't take a running back in the first round, there's going to be so many really good receivers available, I think they need to take one of them. I think defensive linemen, especially interior defensive linemen, which is to me where the Saints need to look now, I think they're easy to find later. They're, no, nothing's easy to find later, I guess I should say, but they're easier to find later. And I think that's where they should go. So I'm probably going to be wrong uh, but that's my opinion on what this team needs. And, again, we'll talk about it with Jeff Duncan. I, I, may, I may put Dunk, I may see if he can come on in the next two weeks, actually. We may push our normal Friday show to Thursday, um, week after next. In fact, I think we're probably going to do that. So I'll see if Dunk can come on in the next two weeks, and we'll talk about it. Because I'm interested to get his, his uh, pick his brain on it. I'm fairly certain that I think he, need, he is on the... Um, of the ilk that we need defense. So anyway, we'll see what he thinks. But before we do that, we're going to go back to the Pelicans um, and bring on Christian Clark.
we had a nice conversation. It was a little bit shorter than I normally have with, with the guests. But, I mean, how much can you say that we haven't already said? And, um, but he has great insight. And the life of an NBA writer on a daily basis is, is not fun. It's just not. I mean, if you think about it, you think writing about sports teams is, is glorious and it's just this whole bag of fun. It's not. Especially, to me, basketball and baseball. And I know football, you, it's a year-long job now. But at least you get times like where you get a little lull. Basketball and baseball, you get a lull in the offseason to some extent. But during that season, it's game after game after game after game. When you're not having a game, you got to practice. It's always not, it's nonstop. And there's always some news aspect, some story. You know, at least in the NFL, there are 17 games in the playoffs. Um, so it's not even during the season, it's not game after game after game. You got stuff going on during the week that's not game related. It's nonstop, man. They don't, they don't sleep a lot. So uh, we'll bring on Christian Clark and. Of course, talk about Zion, the Pelicans a bit. Uh, again, talking about what C.J. McCollum had to say, which is a big part of it, where he thinks this team is going in the future. Will they get back to where they, you know, we expected them to be this year? Is that going to happen next year? Um, all those sorts of things. And we're going to leave it to him right now. We have all kinds of happy news here on this Friday morning. Happy news about the New Orleans Pelicans. If we don't have any, we'll make something up. I'm just kidding. Uh, Christian, how are you doing this morning? I know in a way it's a relief. In a way, you know, you wish it would keep going a little bit longer, but it is what it is. Where are you feeling this morning? Well, thanks for having me on. Is, is the happy news that the season is over? <laughs> I'm not sure if it's happy or sad at this point. Um, <laughs> there's been so much going on, especially the last week of news feels like it, it took, uh, took a month. Uh, it, it absolutely did. I mean, you know, kind of, I would say alarm bells really started going off my head when I asked Willie Green, you know, the last week of the regular season, it was their second to last practice. And I said, hey, did Zion practice today? And he said, no. And I was like, in my head, I was like, well, they have two practices left in the regular season. And if he didn't practice in the second to last one, that's probably not good news for Zion getting back on the court this season. And yeah, I mean, it just, it, they just went out weird. You know, Zion not practicing, warming up before the game, you know, dunking. It didn't look incredibly in shape or anything like that. Right. And, and just not playing in the most important game of the season again. Well, we are obviously going to talk about Zion and a whole lot of other things. In fact, I'm going to show you our headlines for today. Although it's kind of misleading. You see the same stuff, Christian and I. You know, I may sneak in a little. I might ambush him and, and like, ask him one Saints question at the end, even though that's not what he covers. But uh, this is our Datitude podcast uh, topic. So whatever you don't get here on the live portion, you go wherever you find your podcast. My monologue today is going to be mostly about the Saints. I will touch on the Pelicans. Most of you heard what I think about the Pels and the disappointing finish against Oklahoma City. But really, that might be a little misleading, too, because it's it's not just the finish against Oklahoma City that's disappointing it's really how they play uh, just the last week of the season you can go back to that that Rockets loss Christian and that was kind of foreshadowing of what we were going to see right this season to me and the first headline here on the bottom of the, of the crawl is this season was co the complete opposite of last year they start off fast uh, unlike 2022 when they start off what three and 23 or whatever the heck it was and, you know, they, you, you think this is the year. This is what we were promised. This is what we thought was going to happen. And then it just rolls into something negative and snowballs into the, they were really lucky to make the play in. They got hot to there towards the end to get to number nine. But, you know, this thing, this, this whole season could have been something a lot different. And I think that's what's the most frustrating part about all this. We saw how good this team was when Zion was healthy and in shape and you had the role players going around them. I mean, if you think back to that seven-game winning streak, which included those two wins over the Suns, which were so fun to watch at home, that, that actually came without Brandon Ingram. I mean, we saw this team right. be really good, even without Brandon Ingram, who is a very good player when he plays. Um, and it's like, if they could ever just get these guys on the same court, I mean, I really do think this could be a team that could make a, a deep playoff run. Um, and, and, you know, I think the stat of the season is that it was 10. It was C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson 
played in 10 games together. You know, CJ spoke at length about that after you know, Pelicans were eliminated by OKC. But that was really the biggest issue. Like, these guys just got to play together more. Jim Derry here with Christian Clark on this Friday morning. We are welcoming your comments and questions. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, just type it in the comment section, and it'll, it'll appear here, and we'll show it on the screen. We welcome them every Friday morning. And again, uh, when we're done here, I'll have my monologue, and wherever you find your podcast, you can find Attitude. Christian, um, what, what, for you, what was it like? I, what, what was that last month like? And, and I'm sure that Willie Green was tired of hearing the same old questions you talked about it. But what was it like covering this team? And basketball is so much different than football. You know, you're doing so many things outside of the game part of it. But, you know, along in basketball and in baseball, we don't have a baseball team, but you have to cover all these different things and you have games in between. So what was it like to cover this team the last month of the season when you didn't really know what you were going to get? Look, I'm just going to be honest here. Like, I, I think I probably felt like a lot of fans. Like, I'm just exhausted by the BS. Like, I just want to watch basketball. And so much of the last four years... It's just not about basketball. It's, oh, is Zion happy? Is he in shape? Is he showing up on time? And it's just like, like how hard is it to, to just play in the games? Like so much of the conversation has not even been the basketball part of it with the Pelicans. It's been stuff outside of it because they just can't get this guy on the court. Um, so I would just say, like, just just tired of all the stuff outside of it. Like I would just love to talk about what happens in between the lines, but you can't do that with this team. Did you feel like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> what day is it? I don't know. It's the same one as yesterday. I mean, we're asking the same questions that we asked. Um, I guess, you know, you saw it even on the court Wednesday night. You saw the, the talent that this team has, even without Zion. I mean, this team has the talent to be a mid-level type conference I mean to me they're the fourth or fifth best team in this conference I mean to, they're they're similar to Golden State in the fact of a disappointment and you look at what the Warriors have done if they could have done anything on the road they'd have been a top two top three seed so to me they're in that they're probably just behind Golden State as far as talent goes but they're not far behind and those to, to me are the two biggest disappointments in the Western Conference going into this year, again, even without Zion. But when all these things are bringing you down, they're humans, and you re and I want to get to the C.J. McCollum comments in just a minute, but you got to feel the disappointment that they feel. I mean, most definitely. And, and I, I just think that, you know, like the season really hinged on Zion playing 29 games and Brandon Ingram playing, I think, 45 games. Yeah. And so many people are, are like working so hard to try to help the Pelicans win. And I think for, you know, the people who are like putting in those hours, you know, a lot of players on the roster, for example, are grinding through discomfort and out there every single night and people on the coaching staff and like people, even in the ticket office, it's like, what are we working so hard for? If these guys just aren't going to play basketball, you know, like what's, what's the point of any of this? If the guys who get paid the most and plastered on billboards just aren't going to play. We talked about that in Bayou Bets. Like, the disappointment probably runs throughout the entire organization. And if you're a player and you read what C.J. McCollum is, and I'm going to read those in a minute, we have a question from, but it's going to bring you down. And we have uh, a question which kind of leads into some of the things that I want to talk to. Austin Mumphrey asked, Christian, what do you think what offseason moves the team needs to make? That's an overall general question. But, and I don't think we're trying to get too specific, but just from, you know, from your perspective, what, are these, what does this team need to do to get to, to be the team that we think they can be? Yeah, I mean, the obvious thing is get Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram on the basketball court. Those two guys combined to play in 45% of the team's regular season games. I think literally any NBA team, if their best two players play 45% of the games, it's going to be an underwhelming season. So that's like that's the first thing. I think I think you probably gotta run it back with those guys just because right. they're so good and it's it's hard to get talent in New Orleans. I mean, I think you have to be aware of that reality. Um, so I, I would anticipate the running back with those two guys. Um, and I think, you know, the one thing you look at is maybe the center position. I mean, I I'm a Jonas Valanciunas fan. Like me and him personally have a very good relationship. I think he's a talented offensive player. 
Defensively, he can struggle. And we saw with Willie Green, Willie Green is going to favor defense more than offense. He wants to put defensive-minded players around his stars on the court, and that is not really JV's strength. And I think that's one you look at of maybe look at somebody who's a little more switchy or more athletic. And, you know, like Jonas is a a very good back-to-the-basket player, but they just didn't look for him a lot in, in those scenario so he's got one year left in his deal that's that's one I would look at and and the other thing is just more shooting I mean this team just can't they, they didn't take enough threes and they didn't make enough threes so they definitely need more shooting Jonas Valanciunas I'm you glad you bring that name up because I would have forgot to ask you this question can you tell me why with a minute and 10 seconds left on the court and the season on the brink Jackson Hayes was on the floor and JV wasn't well I mean from my understanding it was an ankle issue actually at okay. the end of OKC it was uh yeah I think he he twisted his ankle with like four and a half minutes left, and I, I think he would have closed that game if not for that. That 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 explains it. But that's that was frustrating to, you know. Look, I love Jackson and I love his persona, but uh, man, uh, he to me he had one really good stretch of about three or four weeks this year. Other than that, he was almost a no show, and I really thought he was going to continue his growth or at least take another step. And to me, he didn't. But that's a whole another story. All right, Campbell asked. If one does or says, if one doesn't want to play, one must do what's best for the team. Give it your all. Don't keep letting your team down. Praying for the Pels. Um, that, that's part of, to me, what, what, where we are with Zion. And you could have a Pelicans podcast and talk 59 minutes about Zion. And I don't really want to do that. But I think in this case, you, you, you have to talk about it here and how I'll let down. I thought your story yesterday in Christian Mag- the, the Christian McCollum com- comments were very telling. And not just that he says, quote, for us to be successful in the future, we have to be able to play together. We need our best players on the court. But to me, the quote that stuck out more than anything, we talked about this yesterday on Bayou Bets, throughout my career I've always been a player to do whatever it takes to help the team. I could have taken the easy way out and got surgery and sat and watched. I'm not that type of person. I'm not that type of player even though it affected my performance, which it clearly did. I just went and competed the best I can. I'm always trying to lead by example. If that wasn't a shot across the bow, I've never heard one. I mean, you're, look, you're, you're right. And I, I think, you know, we all understand, hey, look, if you're playing when you're banged up, I mean, maybe the results won't be there. You know, if you're out there competing, you know, like sometimes it's just not going to go your way. We're all understanding of that. I, I'm just not understanding of, like, if you're not even going to try. And and I think his comments, honestly, like, everyone's going to remember the Zion part of this because of the way it ended. But I took those comments as much about Brandon Ingram as Zion. Really? I think I think it was about both of those guys. Because if you look at, you know, like, when Zion got hurt, when he, you know, like, metaphorically passed the baton or whatever, they were in third place in the West. They're one game out of first, and they sunk quickly. They went on a 10-game losing streak. Brandon, you know, Zion did not play in any of those 10. Brandon Ingram did not play in six of those 10. And, I mean, I reported at the time there's frustration in the organization about Ingram's absence for 29 games with an injury the team described as a left toe contusion. A bunch of people in the organization felt like he shouldn't have missed that amount of games. This was the second season in a row. I think there was frustration in the organization about the amount of games he missed with minor injuries. So I think CJ's comments were about both of those guys. You clearly saw that it did affect the way he played, especially down the stretch. Um, and, you know, there's a fine line somewhere. Do you, do you sit out and do what you need to do uh, to make this injury better? But he was missing free throws. You don't see CJ, CJ McCollum miss free throws like he missed to me in the last couple weeks of the season. Um, but at the same time, I don't re- you don't realize how much leadership on a court means and I thought that his presence and him being there and him going through every single one of his rotations um, was important. And, I mean, what, what's your feelings on the thing, and, and what did you see? In, in terms of? Of C.J. McCollum and, and how much the injury affected him the last couple of weeks or the last three, four weeks of the season. Yeah, I, I think it affected him a lot. Um, you know, the, the thumb thing happened in – uh, late January, he wore a splint on his right yeah. hand for the, you know, basically the last three months of the season. Um, you know, like I, I talked to him about it. It was a, a ligament issue. Um, he said it affected his ball handling. He said, you know, sometimes when he shot the ball, like 
it would just come off funny, especially with the splint on there. Like it was hard for him to just like get the grip he wanted to. Um, and, and, you know, like a torn, you know, Will Guillory of the Athletic, you know, my buddy put it, reported yeah. that CJ is dealing with a, a torn labrum too. I mean, that's a, that's a serious injury. Um, I mean, that's going to be really another is. that requires surgery. Um, so I, I do think it affected him a lot. Um, I mean, you could, you could just see it. Um, I mean, it was, it was significant. Will Guillory, a former TP alum. So, uh, you know, all these TP, I, I want to know how, how it happens. And I'm sure it's going to happen to you, Christian. You're young. You're going you're gonna to move on to, at some point to bigger and better things. I'm not asking you to comment on this, I'm, and I'm being semi-facetious. But, you know, I have Mike Smith was, is one of my good friends. We kind of grew up in the, in the business together, and he's gone on. He went on to ESPN. He's got his own show now for NBC. And here I am, an old man doing podcasts. Not that there's anything wrong with that, you know, but, uh, you know, one of, one of these days I'm going to see you on ESPN. I don't know, man. If the Pelicans keep going the way they're going, probably not. <laughs> they're not really helping you much, are they? <laughs> <laughs> probably not. It is a grind. I mean, covering basketball and baseball, and another, another TP alum, one of my good friends is Derek Gould, who's going to be on this show uh, very, very soon, by the way, uh, who covers the St. Louis Cardinals and one of the best baseball writers on the planet. Um, covering basketball on a daily basis, um, and then you don't get much break. I mean, I know football is the grind too, but at least football you can do things from home and and all these things. But how tough is it to cover? And it, and I'm not just talking about the Pelicans because every team has their own stories. I imagine covering the Lakers is probably tougher than this. But uh, but how tough is the grind of covering basketball day after day after day? Eighty-two games is a lot of games, man. Uh, <laughs> it's. It's a lot of games. I, I, I've said for years, I think this, the season is just too long. I mean, I think it was a huge mistake for the players union and the league not to shorten the season in that last round of collective bargaining agreement to like 70 games and just eliminate back-to-backs together. Like that was, that was a real step they should have taken. It's like, let's just cut out back-to-backs. Like the product sucks on the second night of a back-to-back. Like it's making the regular season product way worse. Um, but it is, it's, it's a lot of work, and it's nothing compared to uh, baseball writers either. Is there any way that we can stop the, the stars sitting out? Uh, not necessarily the second game of a back-to-back, because I think they choose which one they want them to sit out, but you know, especially with Golden State. I mean, they were the most ridiculous offender of the entire thing. I don't know how many games uh, that their stars didn't play this year, and you know, Steph Curry... I, I think he just got to where he was only playing two, three times a week at, a, at a different parts of the season. But is there any way to stop this? Uh, shortening the season, I think, would have helped. Um, you know, I'm, I guess I'm curious to see, and I, I think we have seen this, like even with Zion, do they, do they try to put in more games played clauses into yeah. these contracts? You know, like is your, is your money going to get messed up if you're just only out there for – 30 games every season. Uh, it's been an av- it's been 28 and a half games per season for Zion, by the way, in his four years in the NBA. But that's, that's one thing I'm looking at. I mean, one thing they they tried to do in the last CBA was you have to play a minimum of 65 games to be eligible for awards, MVP, All NBA, etc. Um, maybe that helps. Like that was a step. Maybe it helps. Maybe it doesn't. Um, but it's it's thorny, and yeah, I guess like the biggest thing is, are they just going to put games played clauses in in a lot of these contracts? And the problem is, I don't know that there are there are still going to be so many players who don't care. Uh, they don't care if they win those awards or not. And I got the I still have the number up on my screen from yesterday. Zion Williamson is making per game, whether he plays or he doesn't play, and this is before he signed the extension that is going to give him even more money. One hundred and forty three thousand five hundred and six dollars. Per game. That, I mean, when you make that kind of money, do you even care whether you're in the running for MVP or most improved player or whatever other award they have? I think that's a, it's a legitimate question. And the other thing, too, is Zion is a signature shoe guy. I think he got $80 million contract from Jordan before he ever played in an that's NBA insane. game because, look, he had an incredible season at Duke. I, I get it. But... He, he secured, you know, like generational wealth basically before he played in an NBA game, and he has not looked very motivated to me. No. He's been a pretty bad professional. Um, and so, I mean, you, you can't help but think that it, it does affect you. 
He blew one of those shoes out, by the way. So how good are those shoes? That's a whole different story. All right, Shamar asks, does ownership even care? Uh, of course they care. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let, let Christian answer that qu question. But you don't think they want to see a bad product on the floor, do you? I, I think they do care. I mean, I think after the Anthony Davis embarrassment, they took a hard look at it and said, like, we need to become a more serious franchise. I think, you know, I won't throw around any figures, but I think if you look at their spending on basketball operations, yeah. David Griffin and his team, that is way, way up. They've given them a lot more resources than there used to be before 2019. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they do. You know, that, that leads into another com uh, topic that we talked about yesterday, and my rant of the day yesterday was the fact that this team has worked so hard to get it to where that Smoothie King Center is filled. I mean, think back. It wasn't that long ago when you had five, six. I mean, they report that there were 11,000 fans there because that's the tickets they sold and businesses were buying tickets and writing them off and not going to games, not even giving them away. But, I mean, now you have sold-out arenas when these, this team plays. And, again, throughout the days of the Hornets and well into the Pelicans, and except, except for that time, that brief time when AD led this team to within, uh, you know, inches of going to the, the conference finals. I mean, th they have worked hard to get to where they are. They don't want to go back to the days where the arena's half-filled. And if they don't start winning games, if they don't get back to the excitement level that we had at the end of 2022 and the beginning of this season, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and like this, this regime under David Griffin, like they've tried to get guys who will embrace being in New Orleans, and I think they have a lot of those guys. Like Jose Alvarado, like definitely plays for the name yeah. on the front of the jersey. Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, like there's a lot of those guys. Larry Nance Jr., it's just, you know, the, the most important guy. Like we're, we're kind of just waiting for him to get on board. And in terms of, you know, fan engagement, not this season, but the season before, there was a national TV game against the Atlanta Hawks, and I was told there was actually 5,000 people in the building, so, you know, pretty close to there. It was pretty empty, and by the end of the year, you know, the Smoothie King Center was packed, and it was roaring, and they've, they've really made some strides there, and I would just hate to see them backslide. You ain't the only one. All right, Rob, ask a really... Good. Oh, it has a really good comment because I agree with him 100%. You can hate Draymond Green all you want when I read this out. I'd love to see a vet like Boogie Cousins or Draymond on this squad. They'll need a vet that can get in Zion's face. You know that Draymond Green does that with his home team when he has to. You don't have to get in Steph Curry's face, by the way. Uh, but he does it when he has to, and he leads by example. Draymond Green is a guy you can hate. 29, you know, 29 other teams can hate him or whatever it is, but... If you're if he's on your team, you love him, and I and I think the Pels would be great. CJ is a, a great leader, but he's not a get in your face guy. I think the Pels could use a get in your face guy. I I don't think you're wrong, and what's interesting is I think some people who make decisions on the Pels feel that way too. I mean, I've had conversations with them about that. Of they feel like maybe we do kind of need another jerk. You know, <laughs> it, I mean, it I, helps to have one. Yeah. I mean, like a word that David Griffin used a lot and a lot of people in the roster used a lot was accountability. They felt like they need to be a little bit more accountable. You know, those last two, three months of the season, you know, like a, a dream on green type definitely helps you there. <laughs> well, we'll see if they get that in, in the off season. All right. I, I do want to, you know, we can talk about him and what he's done in the past, but what is your gut feeling on what this team... I mean, I don't think there's any way they trade Zion. I don't think you can, first of all. I think with it where you are money-wise and you've put so much into Zion staying here, I think trading him is almost out of the question. What, what, do you, what is your gut feeling on what we will see going into next year? Do you think he's going to take this offseason um, seriously and come in here and look the way that he looked at the beginning of this season? I honestly have no idea how he's going to react to this. Um, I've I've been wrong on this so many times before, so I can't even try to predict what how Zion is going to think. But yeah, I, I I hope he takes a hard look in the mirror after all this and is like, well, shoot, man, CJ just tried to play through two pretty serious injuries. He played in seventy-five of the eighty-two games. You know, I I wasn't taking my rehab very seriously after the re-injury. Um, you know, I, I could not get my weight under control after the re-injury. 
I mean, he, he just needs to take a hard look in the mirror. I think some of the people around him and like, there's so much just noise around Zion all the time. Like the talking heads love to talk about him. The best thing I've heard, you know, on like the last few weeks, just about the Zion situation is from Raja Bell, who's in the NBA for a long time, just kind of notorious, tough guy. And he's like, look, man, Zion can blame everybody. And maybe there's something to it. And maybe there's not, but he just got to want it for himself. And yeah. I just agree with that advice. Like you just got to do it for yourself. You can either choose to, to work hard and do the things you need to do or not. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's it, it's tough. It's tough to watch it, and uh, it really is. Uh, Rob says if if Draymond Green wasn't the same guy that drafted Anthony Bennett, the chances of trading Zion would be oh Griffin. I'm sorry, if Griffin wasn't the same guy that drafted Anthony Bennett, the chance of trading Zion would be higher. Um, I'm not going to blame David Griffin for this. Uh, uh, you you have to take him number one. We t- we go back and you talk about you know this team can have John Morant. I mean, and John Moran has his own problems as well, but if you go back in time and with that number one pick, you simply have to take Zion Williamson there. I mean, and people talk about this. If they would have taken this, and we talked about it on the show, and Zach Ewing loves to bring it up all the time. Had they drafted, it doesn't matter. You go back in time, you cannot take anyone else but Zion Williamson with that spot. I mean, you agree with that, right? I think 30 out of the 30 NBA teams would have taken Zion number one overall in that draft. I mean, that like that was one of the, the best individual college seasons I've ever watched. Me too. Um, I mean, it was absurd. And, and he was, it wasn't even just on the offensive end. Like, he was just a two-way force. Like, he was in the top five in steals and blocks in the ACC that year. Like, he did everything. You know, his, his teammates, like, clearly loved playing with him. They were like, oh, Duke, it's a brotherhood. Like, him and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish had a great relationship. So, yeah, I mean, maybe there were some, like, red flags that we all should have seen. But, I mean, I think all 30 NBA teams would have taken Zion number one. Does this team get better going into next year? Are they higher than a play-in type of team next year? Yeah, I, I think they are. I mean, if you just ask me... You know, will Brandon and Zion play more than 45% of the games next year? I think I would just say probably yes. And I think I would just guess yes based on that. I mean, it it couldn't be much worse. <laughs> what do you do now that it's the offseason? How, uh, how long before you get start preparing for 2023-24? Yeah, I mean, they've got a first-round pick. I guess that, that can fall between 12 and 14. That'll be interesting to watch. Um, like they, they pretty much just ran it back, you know, last year, they just said, all right, let's just keep the same roster and and see how it works together. I mean, I I don't think they're going to do that this year. You can't just run it back with the completely the same roster. So just try to figure out what they're going to do and then, uh, react to it when, when free agency come free agency time comes in July, you get a vacation. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll, (laughs) I'll, I'll get out of Louisiana in August. That's probably the best <laughs> month to get out of here, right? <laughs> there is zero question about that. Uh, that. That is most certainly true. All right, before I let you go, I told you I was going to ambush you with one Saints question. What position are the Saints going to draft when they go up, stand, go up to the podium? Well, they don't really go up to the podium anymore. But two weeks from yesterday, first-round pick, what are they going to pick? I'm, I'm not the right person to ask anything <laughs> about Saints. Flip uh, it up. Flip it up. We're all flip. None, none of us are. I, we said this yesterday. All these mock drafts, you can have mock drafts, and it, it's in every sport. I don't care what sport you talk about. No one has any clue because the team doesn't have a clue. And it's the same in basketball. No one has a clue. So, I mean, we can just flip coins and, and talk about it all week. Well, I, I mean, obviously, they, they solidified the quarterback position this offseason. Could they just take another one? Uh, anything's pop. You know what? At this point... I say I've seen it all, so, I mean, barring drafting a punter or a kicker or some long snapper or uh, just some dude that was projected to go in the fifth round, I I really think I've seen it all, so who who knows? You will too, my friend, before time is up. You will have seen it all one day for sure. (laughs) I appreciate you joining us here on the Datitude Podcast. It has been, uh, your insight has been uh, just priceless here because, uh, you know what, we need someone that sees this team and covers them every day to give us the rundown on what's going on. I don't want to say what's going wrong because not everything went wrong. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of times, a lot of seasons, we would have loved to have seasons like this, but man, it's hopefully it'll be better net for you next year. (laughs) 
Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I ambushed him there at the very end with that Saints question. I could tell he wasn't ready for it at all. So, but anyway. Christian Clark, again, the life of an NBA beat writer, you could tell. Um, the first question I asked him uh, about happy news, finding some happy news. He says the happy news that the season's over. I guess if I were covering the NBA, that would be my happy news. Yeah. Well, that leads us into the conclusion of the show. I had a really rough time this morning um, finding what song would be my outro. I mean, I real, I, I think, and the reason why, some of you I know are used to the show being up by about 11, and this morning it's a little bit later, because I, I literally went through like, I don't know, half, half a dozen, maybe more than half a dozen songs. And I settled on this one. I don't know. It seems like this team is on the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. And when you think about Zion walking alone, that's kind of where this kid is right now. I have a feeling that this is one lonely kid. I, I don't know why. I've, I don't know him from Adam. I've never met him. I've never, I mean, besides being in the arena when he played um, a couple times here and there. But I've never really, I've never been around him. So I don't know how alone he is. He just seems like he's alone. And a lot of times he's, you know, I, I could see him home playing video games, eating PBJs all damn day when he doesn't have anything to do. So maybe he's walking the boulevard of broken dreams. I don't know. Maybe I'm putting too much into it. Maybe he's just 22 and needs to get his head out of his ass. I don't know what it is. But hopefully he figures out and hopefully this going forward that uh, we don't have to talk about this every damn time. But I know one thing. Next week we're going to be talking about the NFL draft. Jeff Duncan. I have not asked him yet, so it's not. Uh, but Jeff is usually pretty good. When I ask him to come on, he's pretty good about it. So. Unless you hear otherwise, assume that Jeff Duncan is going to come on next week, and then I think I'm going to move the show two weeks from now to Thursday. So, well, Thursday the 27th, we will come on and have a special uh, draft intro show. Well, we probably won't just talk about the Saints. We'll probably talk about the entire league. We'll see how that goes. But uh, as we go off to this morning, we will tell you, look, you know I like to be Nash Roberts, and I can't go a podcast or at least can't go more than one or two without talking about the weather. This is probably going to be the last, you know, when you get that last really, really nice, good weather weekend. I think this has got to be it, right? And if it's not, it's coming soon. So anyway, go out, enjoy the weekend. Have a great time. Forget about the Pelicans. We won't be talking about them on this show much over the next few months because we're going to be talking about the Saints. Saints draft. That's all we'll have the next couple of weeks. And probably after that, as we get into OTAs, yes, it's coming. So enjoy your weekend. We will see you next Friday. Peace and love, my friends. Yeah.